Chapter Fifteen of the Blue Envelope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording today by Don Larson in Minnesota. The Blue Envelope by Roy J. Snell. Chapter Fifteen. Two Red Riding Hoods. Before Phi struck out for the unknown land which had so suddenly thrust itself into his line of vision, he paused to ask himself the question whether he had come upon some island or a point on the mainland. Finding himself unable to answer the question, he at once set plans for reaching that land. The rifle, now a useless encumbrance, he left leaning against an upended cake of ice. That shore, if not lifted high by a mirage, was at least ten miles away, and ten miles to a boy and a dog who have appeased their hunger for three days with two small birds is no mean distance. Bravely they struck out. Now they crossed a broad, level pan, and now climbed a gigantic pile of boulder-like fragments that rolled and slipped at their every move, threatening to send them crashing to the surface of the ice-pans or to submerge them in the deep, open pool of stinging water that lay at its base. Exercising every precaution, the boy made his way slowly forward. More than once he paused to wait for the dog, time after time lifting him over a dangerous crevice, or assisting him in climbing a particularly difficult barrier. "'I know you'd help me if you could,' he said with a smile as he moistened his cracked lips. So if we go down, we go together. Time after time, dizzy-headed and faint, he sat down to rest, only to rise after a moment and struggle on again. At times, too, he was obliged to shake himself free from the spells of drowsiness which the chill wind and brisk arctic air threw over him. We will make it, old boy. We will make it, he repeated over and over. Little by little the landscape broadened before them. The bit of rugged shoreline, which lay there like a vision, might be a point of land on the continent of North America or of Asia. Then again it might be the side of an island. Phi thought of this in a vague sort of way. His chief desire to put foot once more on something that did not drift with wind and tide. He bent every effort to making the goal. At last, after what seemed like days of struggle, he stood within a quarter of a mile of the shore. The ice was piling on that shore, a scene of disordered grandeur beyond description. It was as if the streets of a city, six or eight feet in thickness, and solid as marble, should suddenly begin to rise, to buckle, to glide length upon length in wild confusion. For some time the boy and the dog stood upon the last broad pan that did not pile, and lost in speechless wonder, viewed that marvel of nature with the eyes of unconcerned spectators. At last the boy shook himself free from the charm. Rover, there was awe in his tone. Do you know what we must do? We must cross that and reach that shore before the wind shifts or we are lost. As if understanding his meaning, the dog lifted his nose in the air and sung the dismal song known only to the sled-dog of the Arctic. Well, here it goes. Phi scrambled to the surface of a gliding cake. 
then having raced across its surface leaped a narrow chasm to race on again such an obstacle race had never before been entered into by a boy and a dog rover seeming to have regained some of the spirit of his younger days followed well once with a dismal howl he fell into a crevice but before an ice-pan could rear up and crush him a strong arm dragged him free they had made two-thirds of the distance when on a broad pan that shuddered as if torn by an earthquake phi paused one glance at the rocky coast brought a sharp exclamation to his lips it's like the wall of a prison he muttered straight up no he whispered a moment later there's a bare chance that rocky shelf but it's fifteen feet above the ice and how's one to reach it there may be a way one can but try they were off again each fresh escape brought them face to face with new and more startling dangers here they were lifted in the air to leap away just in time from a crash here they crossed a pile of crushed and slivered fragments only to face a dark and yawning pool of salt water waiting to sting them into insensibility but always there was a way out each moment brought them closer to the frowning wall at last close-up survey told the boy that there was no path no slanting incline no rugged steps to the shelf above but from the shelf upward there appeared to be a possible ascent at that moment he saw something that made him catch his breath hard a gigantic ice-pan measuring hundreds of feet from side to side had begun to glide upward over a mass of broken fragments toward the cliff it will go as high as the shelf if it hasn't too many seams he said aloud it may go up and it may crash but it's our only chance he looked at the dog that the old fellow could make this perilous trip could mount himself on the very edge of a giant tilting cake of ice and ride up 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 inch by inch and foot by foot to pause there a breathless distance in mid-air and then at one critical second leap to safety on a rock shelf the boy did not dream for a moment yet he had no thought of leaving rover behind come on he said quietly we'll make it somehow or we'll go down together mounting the tilted monster they stationed themselves at the very edge and stood there motionless a boy and a dog in the very midst of one of nature's most stupendous demonstrations of power a long minute passed two three they were now ten feet in the air the shelf a yawning distance still before them appeared to frown down upon them to the right of them an ice-pan half the size of the one on which they rode having come within some ten feet of the wall broke and crumbled down with a crash still their cake glided on now they were fifteen feet from the shelf now ten a running jump for the boy would land him safely on the ledge but there was the dog there came a creaking grind a snapping crashing sound then silence the pan had broken in two half of it had broken off under the strain the part on which they rode still stood firm they were now twenty feet in the air a dark pool of water lay beneath them 
the boy gave one glance at the blue heavens and the blinking stars then stooping he picked up the dog and held him in his arms he stood there like a statue a magnificent symbol of calm in the midst of all this confusion with the ice still gliding upward holding his breath as if in fear that the very force of it might send the hundreds of tons crashing to the abyss below phi waited the gap closing eight feet seven six five four now he breathed his right foot lifted his left foot stiffened and his body shot forward the next moment there was a sickening crash the ice pan had broken into a thousand pieces but the boy and the dog saved by a timely leap lay prone upon the surface of the rocky cliff for some time the boy lay sprawled upon the rocky ledge motionless this last supreme effort had drawn out his last reserve of nervous energy amid the shrill scream of grinding ice rising from the tossing mass below he lay as one whose ears are closed forever to sound the dog with ears drooping eyes intent lay watching him at last his tail wagging gently to and fro there had been a flutter of motion in the boy's right hand meekly the dog crawled forward to lick the glove that covered the hand with his rough tongue at that the boy raised himself into a sitting position and rubbed his eyes staring about him rover old boy he drawled at last that was what you might call a close squeak the dog rose and wagged his tail rover the boy said solemnly i took a long chance for you just then why did i do it if you'd been the leader of my team for several winters before old age overtook you if you'd maybe pulled me out of some blizzard where i'd have frozen to death if it hadn't been for your keen sense of smell which enabled you to follow the trail there'd have been some sense to it but you weren't and you didn't you're only a poor old heroic specimen someone has played traitor to and deserted in old age well that's enough of that we're on land now what land is it what are these people like when do we eat the last question is most important for the moment what say we try scaling the cliff and then look about a bit the dog barked his approval together they began scaling the cliff which at times appeared to confront them as an unsurmountable barrier and at others offered a gently rising slope of shale and rock when lucille and marian had made sure that there were no people in the deserted native village they returned to the mysterious bungalow we've got to get in there said marian don't matter whose it is searching about she found a stout pole with this she pried off a board from a window then another then another give me a lift she said raising one foot from the ground once boosted up she found that the window was not locked the sash went up with a surprising bang and the next instant she was inside assisting lucille to enter the place had a hollow sound like an old empty church said marian lucille scratched a match they were in a large room which was absolutely empty a hasty exploration of the three remaining rooms which were much smaller revealed the same state of affairs 
now what said lucile knitting her brows in deep thought do you think of that anyway it's dry and not too cold said marian but it's empty and i'm hungry say she exclaimed quickly you bring in our things i'll be back she bounded out of the window and hurried away toward the native village which lay silent in the moonlight marian had succeeded in dragging their sleeping bag and other belongings through the window and was there waiting when lucile called from outside here take this how heavy exclaimed marian and a moment later upon receiving the second object how cold the first said lucile is a flat native seal oil lamp we can burn our seal oil in it i have a handful of moss in my pocket to string along the side for a wick it'll make it more cheery and it'll seem warmer the other she went on is a frozen white fish found it in one of the native caches guess the natives won't miss it if they come back if they do but where are they asked marian in a puzzled tone of voice dead perhaps let's eat she added abruptly as marian shivered but lucile we can't cook the fish don't have to frozen fish is good raw if it's frozen hard enough i've tried it before you just shave it off thin like chipped dried beef and gulp it down before it tastes too fishy marian did not think she would like it but found it not half bad when they had dined and had sat by the yellow glow of their seal oil lamp for a time they took a good long look at the moon as it shone out over the shimmering whiteness of the sea that said marian impressively is the same moon that is shining on all of our friends wherever they are tonight the thought gave them a deal of comfort when in time their sleeping bag was spread out on the floor and they had snuggled comfortably down into its soft depths and were ready to go off into the land of dreams with their seal oil lamp still flickering in one corner marian said with a laugh snug as two little red riding hoods yes but if the big bear comes home murmured lucile he won't said marian with conviction but the next moment her faith was shattered there came a sound from without and the next instant some heavy object banged against the door what was that both exclaimed at once in hoarse whispers End of chapter fifteen